Amen. Um, okay, so uh, tonight we uh, yeah, are looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 52. And again, we're still following that theme of um, family. Um, you know, it's something that we've sort of been studying from the, um, the conference, uh, which has been really good thus far. Um, I've got to admit tonight we're meant to focus on uh, the father in Joseph. Um, but I feel like just because we are the youth and we have a, a much younger um, generation. Um, I'm going to be looking at Jesus um, in his early childhood because I think that, you know, the, the message there applies to us. It's more relevant to us, um, um, in, you know, where we're at in our stage of life. Um, so I'm sort of going away from the guide. It's the same portion, um, but I'm hoping to bring it back into the family. And really it's, you know, it's it's kind of, we're considering ourselves as as children. You know, we have our birth parents. How we are to to be submissive to them, um, but at the same time, we belong to a much uh, greater family. Um, and you know, um, our Father is God Almighty, um, and how we are to sort of, I guess, be submissive to Him and our responsibility um, in the spiritual realm, and um, what we are called to do. Um, and we'll look and draw out some examples from um, Jesus Christ. So. Um, you know, coming back to the portion, Luke chapter 2, um, it's, uh, a, you know, a book that we've studied in depth and we've gone from, you know, portion to portion. I'm not sure if you guys recall it. We were starting back in 2014. Um, there's a lot in this portion and we know this portion. We've started this multiple times, but I'm really just going to focus in on verse 40 and verse 52. Um, and I'm going to draw out some conclusions from that. But just to set up the scene, um, you know, Luke has been up to, um, you know, this chapter has been establishing and demonstrating in this book, like any good author, um, he's gathering up his sources and his various testimonies and he's laying these series of testimonies down and these series of events that have taken place for the audience, for the reader, that's us. And he's trying to make the audience understand that the Jesus that he's talking about, the Jesus um, that, you know, he's following through in this book, um, in his book, is the promised Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is um, the Lord. And if you recall when we studied Luke, when we were studying and we were going through each portion, especially at the beginning stages, um, we were focusing a lot about, you know, the Old Testament. We were focusing a lot about the prophecies, um, these events that were taking place because it was it was pretty clear at the time, or it is still clear to us now that Luke is setting up or he's giving his his evidences. He's basically saying, this is why Jesus Christ is the Lord. This is why he is the promised one. And he began um, in the Old Testament, um, you know, referencing back to the Old Testament prophecies and saying, you know, as, as we saw before, when, when Bob was bringing the, the small word, you know, the, the prophecies, the Old Testament is pointing to a Messiah. It's pointing to a Savior. And that Messiah is Jesus Christ. That Savior is Jesus Christ. And then Luke goes into the events of what took place with um, Mary, you know, conceiving Jesus um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that that is the work of God, that that is, you know, that Christ that Jesus has come from is indeed the Son of God. Um, and then he focused in on the prophets, you know, 
about what they were um, prophesying about Jesus Christ. And he begins to record all these separate events leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, If you look back at chapter 1, chapter 2, he talks about the angel Gabriel, how he came down and he prophesied over the lives of Mary and Joseph, but he also prophesied over the lives of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Um, He brought um, John the Baptist. um, And then they had the accounts of the shepherds who were out in the fields and the angel appeared to them and basically told them the Messiah is going to be born. The King and Savior um, is here. And then you had the account of Simeon. And then you had the account of the prophetess Anna who worshipped and gave thanks to God for sending Jesus Christ. So Luke has just been systematic about his, these events, saying this has happened, this has happened, this was prophesied, this happened with the lives of Mary and Joseph. This child who has been born is indeed the Son of God. And so he's been giving all these testimonies about Jesus and he wants to make it clear that Jesus is the promised Messiah. But he needs one more testimony, and that's the testimony of Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And, um, you know, he begins to sort of set this up at the end of chapter 2 with this testimony that Jesus himself will um, testify as to who he is. And we'll see that in, in the, shortly. But um, I sort of want to go back and, and just, you know, in my own life, in my own experience, I've always wondered, you know, when we, when we look at the life of Jesus and we pick up his ministry, you know, he's, he's about 30 years old when he begins his ministry. And we know heaps about what's happened. Um, we, we know heaps about the three years of his ministry leading up to the cross and, and all these events, you know, the Gospels. They, 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 they note down, you know, these miracles, these preachings, the parables, what he did, his disciples, everything leading up to the cross and after. But we never really got to know what Jesus was like, who Jesus was like as a child or as a teenager or as a a young adult. You know, what was he like in his 20s? What was he doing throughout the time that he was born to the age of 30? That's 30 years. What was he like? What was he You know, what was he doing? And I guess that's something that I've always sort of wondered about the life of Jesus. You know, we know a lot about him from 30 years when he began his ministry. But what was he like leading up? What was he like growing up? What was he like as a child? And Luke gives us this glimpse of Jesus as a child. The child um, who God was. And in fact, it's the only record that we have of Jesus as a child Um, But this is all the passage that we really need to understand what he was like as a child. Um, And it's important to know this because, you know, um, as as Luke is setting up his his um, his evidences, he's trying to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah. There are a lot of these misconceptions about Jesus's earlyhood um, life. Um, and how he came about to become Jesus, to become the Messiah, to become, you know, the chosen one. Um, because some people believe or have this idea that Jesus grew up as a religious man. And because he was so religious, he was forced into becoming the Messiah. He was forced into this role of becoming a Messiah. Um, others had this idea that, oh no, it was you know, Jesus's parents who were so pushy about him being religious that this caused him to be in the spotlight, that this caused him to be, um, you know, the one that people wanted as their Messiah. And yet others believe that Jesus was 
just a man. He was just an average man, you know, did no wrong, was a good person. But at the age of 30, when he went to be baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, that's when he was, that's when he took on the form of the Messiah. It was at that point that he became, you know, um, the son of God. Um, that's what some people believe. But what we see here in the account of Luke's um, gospel is that at a young age, Jesus already knew his true identity. He understood and he knew full well that he was the son of God, that he was the son of God. As a child, as, as, as a teenager, he knew who he was. And that's where he begins his own testimony. This is why it's important that we have Jesus' own testimony from such a young age so that we can conclude that, hey, he wasn't just a man and at the baptism he took on the form of the Son of God. No, he knew that he was the Son of God um, early on. He knew that he was the Son of God um, from beginning. And his whole life was devoted um, to, um, to the ministry, to the calling of being the Son of God. He wasn't, just, he wasn't just a guy who decided to follow God at the age of 30. He knew that he was the son of God. And that's why in verse 49 of this portion, he says, I must be in my father's house. He knew that he belonged to God Almighty. The, the, the reference to that father was not to Joseph, um, which is what Mary tried to imply in the previous portion. She was trying to say that you know, um, Mary and Joseph were distressed looking after him. But he was saying, no, my real father is God Almighty and his house, his temple is where I belong. So Jesus gives his own testimony. And so like I said at the start, I don't want to um, focus too much on um, Joseph, which you know the, the guide was sort of leading us to um, for tonight. Um, I just really want to focus in on Jesus. And I've got two quick points that I want to go cover through. Um, it's really looking about you know, Jesus as a, basically as a young adult. Um, and how we can take examples um, out of him. Um, so the first point is spiritual growth in Christ, spiritual growth in Christ. Um, and the question I want to reflect on this is, have you ever been in a position where sometimes you think you're too young to have faith in God? You're too young to have a faith in God. Um, and I say that because, you know, growing up, we tend to think that Christianity is more of a older thing to do it's more of those you know that that's more of my like that that's that's what my parents are more concerned about you know attending church isn't just it's, it's just attending church having having faith in god is not really a big issue for me right now um so are we too young to have faith in god is the question and i often think about this because um you know the youth you know the young guys the teenagers they're often tainted with being reckless, with being immature and being childish in many things. And, you know, a lot of the time it's true because we're still learning. We still haven't had those experiences. But sometimes that type of thinking can be pretty negative and it could lead us to not taking things serious in this stage of life. But nothing is more important in our spirit. Nothing is more important or nothing more serious than our spiritual condition. Um, we have to have this mindset um, we shouldn't have this mindset that we are too young to have a firm faith in Christ. Um, and there's no greater example when we look at the life of Jesus. 
And when we break down the, 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 um, the childhood of Jesus, his life, his early childhood life, you know, what Jesus did, he, who, um, he, had a, he, had a, he had a love, he had a passion, he had a faith in God, um, even at such a young age. And so these portion, um, you know, verses 39 to verse 40 basically covers Jesus' life from the age of, you know, basically when he was born to the age of 12. Um, so verse 40 is when he's at um, the age of 12. Verse 41 to 50 is the incident that takes place at the temple where he gets lost. Um, and that again takes place at the age of 12. And verse 51 to 52 is basically covering the years between um, 12 and 30. So in chapter 3, he basically begins his ministry and he's 30 years old at that time. So while there are several years that pass in this particular portion and everything seems to be crammed in, um, you know, we can take a lot out of it uh, and we can understand a lot about the life of Jesus. The way Luke does it, he does it in such a simplistic uh, manner, but it's so profound as well. There is so much that we can get out of it. So to begin with, growing up at the age of 12, the word says in verse 40, so Jesus at the age of 12, at 12, the child grew, Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. So the child grew and became strong. So it portrays to us that Jesus, he has this humanistic side as a child, but he also has this divine side in, um, in terms of the spiritual. He was like any other child. He grew and as he grew, he became physically stronger. He lived a normal life. He was like, just like us. He was like any other kid. As, as we grow, our bodies change. We get taller, we get bigger, we get stronger. And the word um, also tells us two other things about Jesus Christ. He became strong, but as he became strong, he was also filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. So not only was it a physical growth, but much more than that, it was a spiritual one. He was filled with the wisdom of God. At the age of 12, he was already filled with the wisdom of God. In other words, he understood who God was. He understood, understood who God was to him. And because of that, the favor of God was upon him. And we can argue that, oh, it's different because Jesus is Jesus, after all, he's the son of God. He's the holy one. He's, he's pure without blemish. He's the one who never knew sin. He was perfect. Yes, that's true, but we're talking about a wisdom here that's not of the world because God doesn't favor worldly wisdom. God favors godly wisdom. And so Christ, Jesus, at the age of 12, was just like anyone else, but had that godly wisdom. Um, Proverbs 1 verse 7, uh, I think we all know this portion. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the word tells us that, Fearing God, in other words, obeying Him, loving Him wholeheartedly gives us knowledge. And that's knowledge in God. Knowledge in knowing who God is. But this can only be done through Jesus, right? When we come to know Jesus, that's when we come to know God. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, And because of Him being God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. So because of him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. You, you belong to Christ who became to us wisdom from God. 
Now, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians, he was talking to the Corinthian church and he was basically saying, you know, God doesn't save the mighty, doesn't save the, the, the powerful, doesn't save those who think they are wise by worldly standards. He saves the foolish. He saves the poor. He saves the lowly. He saves us, the sinner. Why? So that the saved sinner cannot boast in their own strengths. The saved sinner can only look to God and give him all the glory because he's done all the work. And so the good work belongs to God. The glory belongs to God. And so he says that it is because of Jesus that we are saved. And it is Jesus who becomes our wisdom from God. In other words, it's Jesus who we need first and foremost in our life. If we want to be filled with um, uh, godly wisdom, if we want to have the favor of God upon us, then we need Jesus. It's as simple as that. We need Jesus, more of Jesus and less of this world. Um, And so it's through Jesus that we have this relationship with God. It's through Jesus that we have this relationship with God. And like I said at the start, sometimes I think we need to um, you know, we, we get mixed up in something. We think that we need to reach a certain maturity, a, cer- a certain age to have a relationship with God. But this isn't the case. God uses the foolish. He uses the weak. He uses the, the young of age. As we see in, in Jesus, he was only 12 years old, 12 years of age, and he was already seeking after God. He already knew God. He already knew what he wanted from God. All he wanted to do was spend time in his temple. That's where he felt at home. And if you read the the portion um, when he's lost and and he's found in the temple, verses 46 to 47, it says that the leaders were so amazed at what Jesus was saying because they didn't, um, he understood things and his answers that that he was giving to to their questions were so. Um, you know, out there, not so out there, but they were so that the answers that just they, they didn't um, perceive or didn't expect from a young person. So he, they had, he had a wisdom not like their own. It was godly. So your age doesn't matter when it comes to have a relationship with God. What matters most or the key is that you know Jesus Christ, that you know Jesus Christ and that you devote your life to him. And the second thing that I want to look at is that we are called to ministry. We are called to ministry. Um, Two quick things. Verse 49 says, uh, Jesus speaking, And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And then verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So the first thing, talking about the father's house, Jesus was asking, why were you looking for me? You know, you know that I belong here at my father's house. You know, um, I guess this is more related to us when we were younger, but I mean, sometimes we, we, we still feel it. You know, sometimes we go to church because we're forced to, because our parents go. So we have to go. And I'm sure we can all raise our hands and say, yeah, but there's been times where we haven't wanted to attend, you know, where we didn't want to go to church. But when we look at Christ and we see him in this portion at the tender age of 12, all he wanted to be was in his father's house. All he wanted to be was in the temple where he could encounter God and he could spend time with others who would encourage him and who had the same passion and love for God. And don't forget, this is at the tender age of 12. 
Jesus knew he belonged in the temple. That's where his heart was set. And our hearts ought to align to that same um, passion, to that same love that we long to be in the church, that we long to be a part of the church, that we long to call church our home. For church is where we come to meet with God. For church is where we come to be encouraged by our brothers and sisters. Um, you know, I think it's odd when we have believers who say that they can keep their relationship and church separate. You know, that, that, that their um, relationship with God is just a one-on-one thing. Yes, that's true. But if you look at Christ and if you love Christ and, and if you stand for everything that Christ stands for, that you know that the church is a big part of who Christ is. The church, um, you know, you can't separate the church out of Christianity. They go hand in hand. So the, the first thing for um, this, as we looked at the life of Jesus, is that he loved the church. He loved the temple, for that's where God is. That's, that's his home. And we ought to make the church our home as well. And the second thing is that in verse 52, the word says, As Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. The second thing is that while we're still young and while we still have our strength, use this time to get to know God. Use this time to get to know God, to grow in wisdom, to know, um, to spend more time in knowing who Christ is. Um, for there will always be something new. I know that we read the same portions time and time again, but there will be there will always be something new that we can draw out of that portion. There will be always something new that we can fall in love with Christ. You know, John 21 verse 25, um, this was a great portion when we studied it, but John said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's John's you know, take. He, he had so much to write about Jesus. And he's saying, if I was to write everything down, there wouldn't be enough books in this world that would contain um, you know, what Jesus did. What we have in the Bible is more than enough. And you know, we could spend our whole lifetime studying it and never fully comprehend all who Jesus is because he's just, he's, um, you know, we just can't contain him in these pages. There is so much that we can spiritually grow in. But while we're still young, use this time to get to know Christ. Because as Jesus spent his you know, 30 years in the Word, in the temple, spiritually growing, growing in godly wisdom, it got to the point at the age of 30 where he was called into ministry, where he was called to begin his ministry. Um, we might be called to do ministry tomorrow. We might be in ministry now. We might not know, you know, God might have a plan for us 10, 20, 30 years down the track. While we still have time, use this time to basically get to know Christ, continue to seek Him, especially in our youth, you know, especially when we're young and have our strength and have time, continue to, um, to grow in godly wisdom for that, so that when God calls us, we may be ready to be used in this ministry. So like I said, um, I sort of looked away from um, Joseph as, as the father, as the godly father. And I looked at Jesus as, I guess, as the child, as, as, as someone who grows up, who's, who's in his t- younger years, who's sort of in his adult years, uh, young adult years, um, to know that there is no, uh, you know, if, if people look down on us because we're young, 
Look at the life of Jesus. Look at his example. At the age of 12, at the age of 12, he knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God and he knew that he belonged in the temple, that he was already you know, devoting his whole life to serve God. Let's pray.